Asking. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and today I cried in an IHOP. Hi, I'm <laughs> Gabe S. Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and what? Yeah, I had a cry in an IHOP this morning. It happens. How did you have time to go to IHOP? I met my parents there at nine, and then I left for Melissa's at 10. Why'd you cry? I was just overwhelmed. <laughs> You're crying right now. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you crying? Because I'm overwhelmed. Why are you crying? Because I talked about crying. When I talk about crying, I have to cry again. Also, you didn't let me touch you just now. I know. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I understand that me not touching you is probably more of a comfort. <laughs> no, you just washed your hands. I hope. <laughs> yes. You can smell the soap. Wow. Or what, what? You're just overwhelmed because of work? Yeah. Just like work and life and everyone being mad at me about stuff and, you know. Yeah. Cool things. Oh, do you want to take a break? No, I'll power through. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I cried in my car a lot yesterday while I was sitting at the airport parking lot, so I feel you. Right? Sometimes you got to have a cry. Yeah. How many people do you think are sitting in their cars at the airport crying? Probably Listening like to this. <laughs> 50%. Probably like a, a solid 50%. <laughs> Jesus. Well, welcome to Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. And brutal honesty. The brutal honesty part is always the one that really comes through in the intro. That is always the one. It took me a while to realize that, like, I'm a emotional crier. I'm not just, like, a sadness crier. So if, I, if I'm having any kind of emotional conversation, I'll cry. Emotion? Like... Like even happy, kind of, or just like if it's a big emotion, like and like I, it, like the thing is resolved, and yeah. like I'm not actually feeling sad anymore. I just have to have like a residual cry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I was told on testosterone you can't cry, but I'm still crying. Oh, you really? They said that? Yeah, I've been told that like it, when uh, testosterone, a side effect is that you don't, you can't cry. Which honestly, sh- shout out to the cis men out there. <laughs> Uh, explains a lot yeah explains (laughs) a lot it's why you guys punch stuff all the time but like yeah it's sort of like okay you're not going to be able to cry as much and I'm like when does that start (laughs) would love for that to kick in I think it's good to be able to cry I think the problem is when it's like anything can make you cry which like is when I know my mental health is is a little wonky yeah when like I'm always on the verge of tears rather than like oh something happened and then I have a cry that makes sense yeah I think I get overwhelmed and I don't cry for a while and then like something will happen and then it's like all coming out at once you know then it can be really cathartic yeah but I think it freaks people out (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna guess that it freaks people out Oh, really? Because if I could manage, yeah, because if I could manage like it in increments, that would be that would be chill. But instead, it's just like a explosion, like a full sob. Yeah. Or just like everything is bad and it's an explosion. And like it's like here's 45 things I could have been upset about in small amounts. But instead, here we are. Right. Mental illness. (laughs) Mentally ill. Being alive in 2023. Awful. I would say being alive 2016 to now. Yes. Bad. Yes. Not great. 
Yeah. Honestly, 2015, because that's when he was running. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Well, despite all of this, we have got a great episode for everyone today. We do. Unfortunately, we will be talking to James III about suicide and and making art about suicide. So unfortunately, I think it's I think it was a really beautiful. Oh, it was such a beautiful conversation. No, I mean, he's incredible. And like just the way he spoke about his art and his father. Really, really beautiful. If you're not in the mood for that kind of conversation, feel free to jump ahead to hypotheticals. I was going to say, yeah, if you're sort of, um, I don't know, crying at the drop of a hat or whatevs, uh, maybe skip it. But later we will be talking all about modeling behavior, which is how we learn what the hell to do from other people around us. When do you think I'll start to do that? Any day now. (laughs) (laughs) Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, James III. So stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Allison here. Anyone who knows me well knows that I love to read. I am always looking for new books, and that is why I am so excited that this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. It was so fun for me to get to pick which book I wanted to read this month and have it shipped right to my door. Book of the Month makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box, and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment and she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out and she's she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right up my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice to text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. 
This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always feel comfortable just sharing about herself but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before so I'm so excited for that. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code just between us at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code just between us for 10% off today. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have James III, a writer, actor, producer, best known for co-creating and co-starring in Astronomy Club, produced by Kenya Barris. We're going to talk, though, how James is the founder of Rule of Three, whose inaugural comic book, Junior, was over 150% funded on Kickstarter and released digitally in the fall. Whoa, 150%? Yeah, I I mean, I'm noticing that for some comics, that's actually, that's not the accomplishment that it sounds like. Really? (laughs) But like, that's still a lot. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. So how does that work? Like you have your basic idea and then you're you're sharing that idea with people and people get so excited to get their hands on it that they're, they're donating to pay for the art and for the publishing. Or- yes. I mean, what I did, I did it backwards. I, I funded it myself and then and then put it on Kickstarter to see if I could get it funded, you know what I mean, to get it out <laughs> to people. Uh, and so it used Kickstarter as the venue for sort of um, getting the first leg of sales out. Oh, that's smart. And paying yourself back. Yeah, essentially trying to break even. <laughs> essentially trying to break even, which is which I fortunately did. And then the the being 150% funded just meant that I could fund the second book, which is in pre-production right now. Wow. So what is Junior about? So it's it's essentially uh, like the log line is after a young man uh, has died, he has to work in the netherworld with the father he never knew on earth. So it's like a father-son kind of workplace comedy set in the afterlife. And I call it a horror comedy. It's it's as much like horror as Beetlejuice is is horror, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's sort of like it's it's kind of like kooky and quirky and and you know, but not so much scary, but it's like, oh, but you're kind of dealing with macabre mac- <laughs> in a way. <laughs> I would never know how to say that. Macabre macabre you know those spooky images spooky spooky stuff (laughs) yeah i love that and and like what is the process for you when you're creating a comic um are you also the one doing the art do you bring in an artist no so i was fortunate enough to uh attach a fantastic artist his name is marcus kwame anderson and he has uh he won the eisner award two years ago which is a, a big comic award um, for his graphic novel, The Black Panther Party, with the writers, with the writer David F. Walker, um, it's a really great novel. It just goes to the history of uh, the Black Panther Party, and I saw that, and I, l- I really liked his style on that. And he ended up being 
he had been familiar with astronomy club. So when I reached out to him, he had already knew my work. And so it was, it's just sort of worked out that he was uh, interested, you know, like it, I sent a lot of cold uh, emails, like to try to get like cover artists. And I have a few other comic projects uh, in the works and like sent a lot of cold emails to people, but it was, it was fortunate that he, that he was also familiar with me because we were able to sort of get the ball rolling a little bit faster. Where did the idea come from? Um, so I, so it's called Junior. I'm James the Third. I lost my dad to suicide when I was around 18, 19 months old. And my whole childhood, I, it meant nothing to me that I didn't have a dad. It was just like, I just don't have one. Like I'm, a, you know, I would tell people that, that, that people would be like, oh, how, how's your mom? How's your dad? And I'd be like, oh, I don't have, you know, but it never meant anything to me. Then I turned 25, which is the age he was when he, when he passed. And at that point in my life, it suddenly hit me what I didn't have, <laughs> the, how old he was, what, was, what could have been going on for him at that time. And so a, a lot of the, I, I'm 37 now, and a lot of the personal art that I've been working on for the last 12, 13, however many years <laughs> that is, I've been sort of kind of exploring this reality uh, for myself. And so Junior, the comic version of it is kind of, like I said, like a kooky kind of, you know, like a darkly comic a take on the story. But it's gone through a lot of different iterations. It started as like a, a solo show um, that I did maybe back in 2014. That was very like traditional solo show, you know, gonna gonna stand up on stage and make everybody cry about my, about my life and what's going on with me. You know, there was poetry and all kinds of stuff. And then over time, it just sort of, it kind of evolved and, and changed and, and, um, and it just sort of hit me like that. I, I didn't want it to feel as gritty as that. You know, I kind of wanted to deal with it in my own kind of voice, you know, and kind of, kind of explore just all of the different kind of, the, I think the reality is like, you know, never getting to meet him meant a lot is, is, is sort of what the thing is. And so this is now a comic where I get to meet him type deal. <laughs> Did you grow up hearing a lot about your dad or was he more just sort of like a mystery to you? He was he was a bit of a mystery. I I have no idea what context what context this is for other people, you know, like of of hearing about someone who has passed away or or you know like how what is more, what is less. But I will say that that you know, he was he was just kind of like a mysterious figure. I knew a couple facts about him. I knew he I knew he used to DJ. I knew he was. Uh, I knew he was a Trekkie, or might have been a. <laughs> he might have been a Trekkie, according to my mother. And I knew he. I knew he was a a, a pr private in the U.S. Army. I don't think he ever like saw direct action. But he was overseas for a few years. I knew like little things like that. Uh, but then when I when I did, I didn't really hear too many stories about him until I did the solo show in 2014. So like until I was a grown man, like I was like, oh, let me ask, let me actually talk to my grandma about him. Let me talk to my mom about him. Things that I just, just, we didn't really talk. I don't know if it was a thing where it was like, we didn't want to, or we were scared to, or, or what, but it wasn't something that we talked about a lot. It's interesting that you have his name, like that you're the third. Yeah. That's interesting for someone you don't talk about. Yeah. And I'm also the only, but my mom and dad never married. And then, so I'm the only 
person with his last name in my in my immediate family. So then that's a part of why I only go by James the Third and not my full name, which is it's it's also just a boring name. <laughs> James Smith the Third is what my what my full name. <laughs> uh, and so I was I was the only Smith in in uh, like my sister. I have two sisters. They all have my my mother's maiden name, and I also was just close to my mom's side of the family. I wasn't super close to the to the Smiths. So it's weird. It's it's just strange to me. It's it's still strange yeah. to me to this day. I was entertaining changing my last name for a while, and and uh, my m- mom said so. She didn't tell me not to, but she said something. I can't remember the exact words, but she said something of like, you know, your father would have wanted the this or or some something along those lines. That was like not to pressure me, but it was just to sort of let me know where she was coming from there. You know, it wasn't a heavy conversation. And I think that like I, w- I held on to that. Also, the process of changing your name is probably too much. So I was like, you don't have to tell me, girly. <laughs> um, <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so did you talk to his parents for the show? I did. I, t- I talked to my grandma. My grandfather passed when I was maybe seven. Um, so I talked to to her about it. It was it was really great to get to just kind of really ha- hash it all out and, and just kind of t- really talk about it in a in a direct way. Something that has that was not a secret, you know. It was it was it, we all knew that he that he took his life, and you know, it was and it wasn't like it wasn't a scenario which I know that some people experience of like where the cause of death is is covered up and and things like that. We all knew, but it wasn't a, it was the first sort of real direct kind of conversation about it. And timely too. She, she, she ended up passing uh, shortly thereafter. It was like, it was, a, it was as if like it was, it was really my last, ch- I didn't know at the time, you know, but it was my last time to get to talk to her um, about it. And so I was really grateful for that opportunity to get to have these conversations. We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. And we're back. And I'm so curious, like as a fellow writer, you know, when you're creating the dad character in the comic book, like how much of it is you trying to kind of assemble it based off of these things you've learned about your own father and how much of it is you kind of taking creative liberties? It is 1000% creative. (laughs) 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 I don't know that any of it, I don't know, I don't know that when my, my mom recently read the comic and I don't know if she didn't say like, and I didn't ask her, you know, but she didn't say anything like, oh, you really captured his voice or anything like that. I was just like, look, he's going to be, I I picture him as kind of like this cool kind of like he's a, he's a, he's a ladies man, you know, he's bopping around, (laughs) he's doing this, he's got his hat cocked to the side, like this, just, I, it's all, it's, it is all my uh, fiction, (laughs) so. (laughs) In the comic, are they the same age? No, Sean, the character based on on me, they're both Sean, obviously, but (laughs) Sean uh, is, is a couple years older than than Junior is, uh, because that that also just is around the time that I was really sort of understanding how weird it, it was. Being older than him was when it was really kind of hitting me. So I find it interesting to think about, like, what it would mean to see my dad a couple years younger than me having made such a definitive choice about 
about being here or not. You know, it truly, I just, I can't even put into, for as much as I, I have several pages of a, of a, of a comic book about it, I can't quite put into words what, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what that is. Like it's, it, it's, it's still, it's still mind boggling to me and still, you know, and I know that thoughts of suicide and ideation and, and, and stuff is something that affects a lot of people and, you know, and affected me in, in a variety of, of ways too. But it's it's still it's hard to put into words. Yeah. I mean, in the comic, or is he sort of addressing like, why did you do this? There are some questions of that. And I think that I, it's something that I want to explore even more as the issues go on, you know, and, uh, you know, and it's and it's a thing where apart from the resolve there isn't an answer for, you know, there's no way to really, <laughs> there's no way to really say right. this is, is it, this is why with the exception of he wanted to do it, you know, or he went through with it even rather than wanted to, but went through with, with it. But that becomes the kind of burning kind of itching question. And in, and in the issue that exists now, the two characters, J- Junior is not admitting to Sean that he is his father and that he, you know, so there's a lot of like, there's a lot of kind of avoidance of the question. And so it just sort of becomes Sean the third scratching at Junior trying to figure out who he is and what is even going on. And have you had like any pushback in your family for kind of exploring, you know, this mental health issue and being so direct about it? No direct pushback as it exists now. When my the first thing I wrote about my dad was a poem, a very angry poem. <laughs> very mm-hmm. angry because sort of I was in a writing class and they told me to write a, a stream of consciousness something where I never lifted the pen off the page. And the, 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 it used to be called uh, incomprehensible because there was a, it, it took up several pages of a notebook. And by the, there's, a, there's a point in the notebook, which I don't think I have anymore, but there's a point in the notebook where I think one sentence or maybe even a couple words take up the entire page. And you, I know what I was saying, but you cannot read it. Like it, it is, there are no, <laughs> there is no discernible word on the on the uh, page. But in it, I'm just mean to him, which it was how I felt. <laughs> I was angry at him, and I called him all sorts of, you know, all sorts of coward and this, that, and and, and whatever. And my mom, after hearing that, was sort of like, you know, he was scared and he was a person and he was going, you know, and like, and that, and, and that is the closest to, to pushback that I, that I have gotten. I I got to do the solo show in Ohio, which is where I'm from. And in front of family, it was, I, I was the first time that anyone heard me talking about it out loud. And I got a lot of family members coming up to me and being like, I didn't know you felt that way. And I feel this way too, you know, and, 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 ta- and sort of talking about a variety of different things. So it's been for, for as much as, as, as I think in, in, in general, I'm looking forward to figuring out the best way to continue to have safe messaging around all of this and to not mm-hmm. be flippant about suicide, you know, and, and it has just been a great way to have this conversation. And it has been a, a uh, in a in a way, healing kind of therapeutic thing for 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 me and my family, at least right now. <laughs> you know, we'll see we'll see how people feel about it. <laughs> you, know, oh, you did that. Remember when you did that comic book? Chapter two, chapter two of the comic. They're like, actually, we're off board now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom did say. My mom did say she liked that in the comic. We don't directly talk about that 
Jr. took his life, even though there's the conceit is if you have a job in the afterlife, you did. And in the, the second comic, not only goes into it harder, but like shows the wound mm. and, and talk. And I'm like, and I am nervous about, about the conversation I'm going to have to have with her about like, well, it does go into it a little bit more, you know, a little bit more in depth. But the first, you know, the first one is, it's nice. <laughs> in the world that you built, people who have died by suicide have to work? Yeah, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that's so yes. dark. And so this is, this is actually, this is inspired. This is the direct inspiration that, that Beetlejuice uh, inspired. And I'm sure there's, <laughs> I'm sure there's other things that sort of go into this. I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if Beetlejuice was the inciting uh, sort of art for it's this, very but uh, subtly but in, explored in Beetlejuice. It's very yeah, subtle. but in Be- yeah in Beetlejuice they're like you know in the afterlife there's a line that's something like in the afterlife you have to be civil servants or or if you if you commit suicide in the afterlife you're you're civil servants something like that and then sort of there's that one scene where we see the people at work and. Yeah. And the res- the receptionist has she, you know, she has slit her wrists and so there's that mm-hmm. and then the, and I think the other sort of things aren't even as direct except for perhaps a guy walked out in front of a bus intentionally. Anyway, there's all of this Yeah. <laughs> in the sh- in the play in the musical there's a character in a in a bathtub with a toaster, I think. Okay, yeah, great. <laughs> great, I say. <laughs> but it, you got to you know what I mean? Like, Beetlejuice. <laughs> It's hard because it, it's, it's such a topic where people are like, you either can't joke about it or you have to. Absolutely. Truly. <laughs> and I think that yeah. that is what it is. And, and almost as, it, it is especially polarizing if you have experienced it or, you you know, obviously for people who are survivors of it and then for, for yeah. family and people that are close to it, you know, it's sort of like it is polarizing in that in that way. And I think for me, I absolutely had to joke about it. I mean, I think a big part of my journey into comedy was doing that solo show and not wanting it to only be sad, like wanting to infuse some comedy into it. That got me into stand-up. That got me into improv. I mean, I was already into it, but it, it made me actively pursue it a little with more drive than before. If you want to hear the rest of this episode, and let me tell you, you do, head over to patreon.com slash us, And for $3 a month, you can get access to all of our podcast episodes in full ad-free. You can also get merch for this podcast at justbetweenuspod.com or alisonraskinexposed.com. Okay, that's it. Tatala T2. Tatala T2.